It's HPR, All Things Considered, and I'm Dave Lawrence, wrapping up two days celebrating among the greatest guitar touring spectacles ever presented. When the late Paco de Lucia, John McLaughlin, and Al Di Miola came together as a trio, captured live on the legendary Friday Night in San Francisco and studio follow-up Passion, Grace, and Fire. Today, guitarist Al Di Miola continues sharing stories relating to the new sequel, Saturday Night in San Francisco, documenting the second and final show from that epic 1980 tour. And today, Al offers wild stories of the promoter of those San Francisco concerts, the late, great Bill Graham, and equally wild stories of guitar icon John McLaughlin. It's Al Di Miola on HBR's All Things Considered. Three years later, we were approached by an impresario from London, Barry Marshall, who was just starting in the business. It was his idea to put the trio together. He asked me if I would like to do it. I said, oh, absolutely. It would be great. His first idea was me and Paco and Leo Kotke. Hmm. And I love Leo Kotke, but I thought it was a little strange. But then he comes back maybe a week later and said, instead of Leo, what do you think of John McLaughlin? I said, oh, my God. Well, if you get John, the trio is going to be a smash. And then that led on to a huge tour, a two-month tour where we played nearly... I don't know, at least six shows a week. Our shops were crazy good because we didn't have any things like cell phones, computers to take our time away. So all we did was practice. We wanted to be top notch next to one another. And then we finished in San Francisco. And even though we recorded most of the shows, it was the last two shows that were really the most incredible. When we listened to God, even when John, when I sent him some of the Saturday night, first of all, he was surprised it was a Saturday. I had to remind him we played two nights. <laughs> and so I sent him a couple of tracks and he was knocked out. You know, So that led to me kind of producing the whole thing because, you know, he couldn't travel at the time. There are uh, two questions come to mind because of that. I guess we'll start with where you ended it, which is these two shows. Bill Graham was the promoter of these. Explain your first encounters ever. Tell any stories you've got of first meeting Bill and any stories about these shows in particular that have any cool Bill Graham stories that make you feel good, smile, laugh, or just are incredible to remember about a guy who I'm sure you have enormous respect for. Oh, Bill Graham, my God. I have a tremendous amount of respect. I was a teenager going to school in New Jersey and me and my buddies would go in virtually almost every week to see shows at the legendary theater, uh, Fillmore East in the Greenwich Village. Uh, it was actually in the East Village. And uh, I saw everybody that he presented there, just about every show. I remember him coming out front of the theater and being screamed at by a lot of the kids that were online who called him like, uh, you know, a, a kind of, uh, uh, the, they were screaming about the price of the tickets, capitalist pig, and, you know, th things that were really kind of rude at the time. Everybody was kind of in a hippie mode. Everything should be cheap and blah, blah, blah. And he was, I remember distinctly him kind of yelling back, which he didn't have, to, he didn't even have to come out front. But he felt like he needed to kind of get his point across, and, and it was kind of loud. But he would shout back. he said, say, hey, listen, I got artists like Elton John coming over here charging me $5,000 a night. I have to charge three fifty, 
450 and 550 for tickets. <laughs> you know, like three dollars and fifty cents, four dollars and fifty cents, five dollars and fifty cents. That's incredible. He had to fight to prove his point. Tickets were so cheap, but but it was too much for the hippies at the time. You know, what a great story. And well, he also had the Hell's Angels headquarters a block away. So they were always kind of, I guess, they were hired to keep people in line if they were trying to cut in line. So it was it was always like pretty interesting out front when you're trying to get into a show I bet. what was your first personal in any like when you finally become because so many people have a great have stories just like you satriani everybody of being a fan going to those venues but then they become artists and they're either managed by him working for him running into him is there a famous incident when you first got around him or, or when you think back to those shows something that comes to mind made you feel good pretty damn good i think respect and love of the music too he wasn't just a business guy uh, he had to be a business guy but he also really loved the music he was promoting so he was before i knew him he was flying back and forth between fillmore east and fillmore west and luckily when i was 15 i got to go to fillmore west as well but then when i hit 19 he booked return to forever and then i met him and as soon as I met him, I told him the stories about how he would take the time to explain his point of why he needed to charge three fifty, four fifty, and five fifty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are coming over from England. They charge me five thousand a night. It's a fortune. <laughs> Did he get a kick out of that? <laughs> you know, he got a kick out of. He was great. I mean, you know, if if he liked you and and you were you were cool, it was fine. And man, if you weren't, forget it. But you have it. He was a tough guy who took no no. Sh- and he was uh, just amazing, you know. Similar question before we let you go that because uh, we got a great one about the Paco and it's a hilarious one about just getting to know him and uh, how it led to this uh, this new record for sure. But thinking about John McLaughlin and uh, take yourself all the way back to when his name first came into your life, how it did, what you thought of him, and then when you first got to meet him, and then perhaps, because I just was looking at the pictures. If you go on Al's Facebook, you can see these great photos of Al and John. It's a very warm and fuzzy thing to see them sitting there with uh, Paco's widow and stuff and one. But when you think of all of your great times, there's got to be a wild story or two. Not just like scandalous, but in- intense and cool. Maybe a great guest came to watch or sit in. What comes to mind? But first, take us back to first meeting John and getting to know him. Well, first meeting John, John, John was enamored with, with, with the flamenco kind of thing. He said he always wanted to be a flamenco player. Okay. So I met John and I was kind of the kid, 12 years younger than John. John and I were both on Columbia records at the time before it became Sony. And it was a little strange in a sense, because I kind of had to like fight to earn my position it felt like it was a little bit like that. But what I remember, we weren't closest friends, although the first tour was was definitely lighthearted. And then it became a little bit more strained as tours went on. But there was something that happened during the first tour that I keep remembering now. It's uh, we played cards a lot for a lot of money. <laughs> we, played, we played a game called Casino. Paco, John, and myself quite often, you know, whether we were on trains or going to the next gig or in cars or the hotel. And the stakes were pretty high. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, sometimes it was going into the thousands. And uh, I swear to God, Paco would win almost every time. (laughs) 
And whenever John lost, he would throw a fit, just completely go berserk, throwing things. And, <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm losing, but I'm enjoying myself watching this so much. <laughs> so I told his, I told John's, excuse me, John's wife when we were in uh, Madrid for the Paco tribute. And she was, oh, yes, he's got a temper. Oh, my God. Oh, yes, yes. I, I could see John doing that. I said, you know what? I didn't mind losing just to see him flip out. One of the many, many stories, let's put it that way. Oh, it's a great one. And it really says a lot. And it's wonderful folks can hear the record. You've heard about these characters, uh, who all of them really, who are involved in it. And uh, John McLaughlin, Paco De La Cia, and of course, Al Dimiola, who we've been talking with, and, and the promoter, Bill Graham, who, who put the thing together. It was a very comprehensive little bit we just did. And of course, he's back Thursday and Friday, October 6th and 7th. Blue Note Hawaii will hopefully get together with you when you're in town, and I hope that you had fun. Did you have fun going over this stuff with me today? Oh, absolutely. I love going over these stories, and there's so many stories that, you know, a lot of them are winding up in a book that I've been doing, uh, I've been putting together for the last couple of years, so there's uh, tons of stories. Well, if you feel like talking more when you're in town, let me know. I'll do a thing with you there, and you can tell more of them, but either way, we're so grateful. I hope you can feel the gratitude, my brother. I do, I do. And I look forward to, to seeing everybody out there. We appreciate it, Al. Thanks for, for joining us today, brother. All right, take care, bud. See you, man. All the best. You too. Aloha. Aloha. Thank you.